This is the Grow My Clinic podcast by Clinic Mastery, where we help you deliver amazing client experiences to grow your clinic. Well, welcome to another episode of the Grow My Clinic podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien, your host, and today we have a very special guest. We have with us Joey Coleman. Joey, how are you today? I'm fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Jack. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. This is going to be a lot of fun. So for those who are unfamiliar, Joey uh, is an author and speaker and an expert in all things client experience, Uh, has recently released a book, Never Lose a Customer Again, uh, has created courses around the client experience and customer service and all sorts of things. So uh, as we dig into this interview, you're going to learn plenty around what it means to retain clients, create amazing experiences to help you grow your clinic and, as the book says, never lose a customer again. Joey, the first question that I wanted to ask you today on the podcast was what's changed in the last 12 months in your uh, understanding of client experience? What, what have you changed or updated? Well, I think uh, a couple of things. I think with each passing month, more and more people are becoming focused on the customer experience or the client experience or the patient experience. And when I say more and more people, I mean not only on the client side, but on the organizational side. Uh, I believe that if we kind of look historically what's happened over the last 40 years, you know, first there was this race to have everything be the lowest possible price. Then there was a race to have everything be the highest possible quality. And then that we came back to price again uh, and made the price even lower with the high quality. And then everything was about 24, 7, 365 accessibility. And so what's left is that there's not a lot to differentiate yourself from the competition. When we look at price or quality or accessibility, the patient or the customer or the client kind of expects that it's going to be a great quality experience at the lowest possible price whenever they want it. So what's left for us to differentiate on is the experience that our clients have. And so I think what what I've seen in the last year is more and more companies paying attention to the client experience, more companies uh, making that a focus, not only of where they put their investments of dollars, but at least in the United States, and I think we're seeing this in Australia and New Zealand as well, more companies kind of creating someone that's the head of client experience or a client experience officer of some sorts or director. And as a result, it seems like more organizations are paying attention to it and making it a focus and something that they measure. That's interesting. You mentioned that. We just recently uh, renamed our admin team. So in most uh, clinics, in most businesses in, uh, here in the health space, we would have a therapist team that deliver the service and an administrative team, the, the receptionists and bookkeepers that keep everything going behind the scenes. We renamed our admin team to our client experience officers. They're the CEOs of our business. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, and it's it's so fascinating that you did that, Chuck, because names matter, right? right? With with all due respect to everyone that works in an administrative job, the title administrative is not really the sexiest title in the world. And it, it kind of implies, I think, by the very nature of the language, that it's a less important task or it's a more monotonous task or a more rote task for someone to do. When to your point, that's the front line of the client experience. These are the people that I would posit maybe even more than the therapist and the doctors and the dietitians and the chiros and everybody else who's working in a clinic environment. You know, the person who answers the phone and books the appointment and takes your payment and makes sure you're scheduled for the next appointment, lots of times 
you're having a more honest and frank and detailed conversation with them than you are with the medical professional who's actually providing the care. So yeah, I love it that you uh, have kind of rebranded. If I may ask, what's been the reaction with the team? How how have they responded? Um, Yeah, that's been the biggest learning for me is the you know, they've, they've taken a deep breath, their chest has puffed out and, you know, they, we, we reoriented it so that their role is, like you said, as if not more important than the therapists. The, ther- the therapists deliver the, uh, the outcomes, but our, what was our admin team, they deliver the experiences, which we're finding more and more in the health space, actually, Joey. The experience matters more than what a therapist does with their hands, so yeah, yes. they've got a smile on their face, a spring on this, a spring in their step, and um, it's really changed their whole demeanour. And it means they're now empowered to be able to create amazing experiences and engage with our clients. I love it. I love it. And and you bring up an excellent point, Jack. I think at the end of the day, most human beings, regardless of what industry you're in, regardless of where you operate around the world. Most human beings are actually willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. Right. They're willing to kind of stay and try harder and, and, you know, continue to come to therapy and continue to come to treatments as long as the experience is positive. If the experience is negative, then I don't want to be part of it anymore. Uh, I had an experience recently where something went very poorly with a vendor that I was working with and they, they were trying to help me do something. And the fact that they stayed positive and they kept trying to do their best made me feel like even though I didn't get the outcome I desired, I was still overall okay with it. I wasn't ecstatic, but I still would have been like a four out of five stars because they kept a positive attitude. Whereas had they not delivered the outcome and it had not been a bad experience, well, that's when you get those one-star reviews that just are frustrating as can be to give and frustrating as can be to receive. Yeah, it's, it's true. And we know in the health space that perceived indifference is the number one reason that customers leave and we're unable to retain clients and, and create amazing experiences because of this perceived indifference. The truth is that as health professionals, we all care. Inherently, we care about our clients. But if we're not systemized in our approach to delivering amazing experiences, there's a perception that we don't care or that we're indifferent about them coming back. So I guess I'd, I'd love your take on customer service versus client experience. Typically, we've had customer service departments. What's the, sh- what's the change or the shift in mindset needed to get away from customer service? Well, I think the challenge is, and, and customer experience and customer service are used by a lot of people interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Uh, they think they mean the same things. And I can understand why that's the case. I personally see them very differently. I see customer experience as being a proactive activity, an activity that does its best to anticipate the type of feeling you want your customer to have at every right. touch point. I view customer service as being a bit more reactive. Customer service is usually who you talk to when something hasn't gone as planned. Right. Uh, and so I think if organizations orient themselves towards customer service as opposed to customer experience, it's almost as if there's an expectation that we're here to respond when you call as opposed to ex- customer experience being we're here to reach out to you before you call to make right. sure you're feeling good. So to me, that's kind of the, the difference. And, I, and it, that also goes back to that idea of what's changing and where do I think the shifts are happening. I think more organizations are being cognizant of the importance of customer experience over customer service. Um, both are important, right. but they're increasingly putting more status or more importance on customer experience. Yeah. Okay. 
that makes sense. So if we're going to put more emphasis on it, on, on customer experience, we're going to need a system around it. And uh, your, your book and your teachings really encapsulate this really well. Your, the first 100 days is kind of your trademark approach. Can you speak to the health industry specifically? And is the first 100 days, is that just an arbitrary figure? Or do you think actually that's really relevant for something like the health space? Well, I, I think it's not, it's not just a catchy name or an arbitrary figure. Uh, it's really based on a lot of research. And I know I'm speaking to medical professionals who empirical research is a good way to, uh, uh, to point to why we should follow a certain practice or a certain approach to handling a situation. What I did is I researched organizations around the world, small, medium, and large companies in pretty much every industry you can imagine, including the health space. And what I found is that the typical new patient or new client will decide to stop doing business with you, to end the treatment, to not come back for more prior to the 100-day anniversary. Now, again, depending on the business and depending on what you're actually offering, that range is somewhere between 20 and 70% of all new customers will decide to quit doing business with you before the 100-day anniversary, which is staggering to me. That's huge. This is really, it was really the, uh, the, the genesis of both my speaking on this topic and working and researching in this topic and writing on this topic and consulting on it is that there's this huge gaping hole in most businesses today that no one's addressing. Uh, if you go on Amazon and you search all the books that have been written on sales and all the books that have been written on marketing and you add them all together, you get about 1.3 million uh, and change. Uh, if you search for all the books that deal with what happens after the sale, customer service, customer experience, account management, customer relationship management, all the different catchphrases that you might come up with and you add all of those hits together, you get 30,000. So that's about a 42, 43 to one ratio. And that's how most businesses approach it as well. They spend so much time on marketing and sales and very little time on what happens after the sale, which is why I like to focus on the first 100 days because the research also shows that if you can get to day 101 Mm -hmm. in the typical business, they will stay for five years. Right. Now, in the full, in interest of full disclosure, in the physio space or you know some of the spaces that your listeners work in, that may not be as applicable. Um, we we kind of shift between if somebody's coming for care and an outcome based on an injury, we don't necessarily want them to still be working on that injury five years later. <laughs> no, Hopefully, we've done a better job of giving them the outcome. But if they're coming for maintenance or ongoing conversations in a chiropractic setting or in a dietitian setting, right. well, then we actually do want the long term relationship. And I would argue, even in the physio context, we actually want a long-term relationship even if we're not seeing them for that original injury or situation that we first saw them for. And that's where retention really has incredible opportunity uh, with uh, in the the healthcare space because the fact of the matter is humans will find themselves injured again. Mm-hmm. They will find themselves needing care again, or even more importantly, they will have a colleague or a friend or a family member. And that's where businesses can really grow because we, have to, we get to spend less time and money and effort on marketing and sales because our patients or our clients become our sales force for us, referring right. new business opportunities. Sure. So what you're saying there is if we can get the first 100 days right in a healthcare setting, we can uh, get amazing outcomes in that episode or injury that patient or that client then knows that we are their trusted advisor and they're going to come back. So we don't need to invest more money remarketing to them at future episodes. And they're going to refer and and essentially be advocates for us as they pass through uh, your eight phases. Is that what you're saying? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just a, a randomly enough, an, an incident I had just an hour before our call, I found myself on the phone with a uh, doctor who is an orthopedist specializing in hand injuries. So about three years ago, I broke my thumb skiing. I walked around with it broken for over a month uh, before I realized it was broken, which either speaks to my level of intelligence or my pain threshold. <laughs> Depending on who you ask, I, I skew one way or the other. Um, but I called him back because I injured my elbow this past weekend. And I, without considering anyone else, without even considering, because I know he's a hand specialist. I even called his assistant and I said, it's a little further up the hand, the injury, it's the elbow. Is that still acceptable? And she started laughing and she said, absolutely. He's happy to see you. And so he didn't have to spend any time marketing to me. He had created an amazing experience back before. And it'd been three years since I'd spoken to him or he'd spoken to me. And yet I immediately remembered who he was, where he was based, called and was able to get an appointment. And because I was an existing patient, they rushed me in. I'm going to be seeing them tomorrow. As opposed to when I called the main number to book, they told me it'd be two weeks. Mm -hmm. So again, the experience was different once I was dealing with his people who knew me and had a relationship with me, even though it was three years ago, uh, which is why I put the emphasis I do on the eight phases of the customer journey and walking them through those phases so that you really establish the type of relationship that will stand the test of time. Sure. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's dive into these eight phases and, and perhaps how we can look at systemizing them and creating regular uh, moments of surprise and delight for our clients and patients. So what are some of these eight phases? Absolutely. So why don't we do this? I'll give you a quick overview of all eight, and then you can decide, Jack, which ones you want to dive deeper into in the context of our story. Perfect. Uh, so for everyone listening, there are eight phases. Uh, they all start with the letter A. So you're not uh, mishearing. It's not, not hopefully not overly confusing. But the goal <laughs> is if you get all these phases right, your, uh, your customers, your patients are giving you high marks. Uh, and so you're getting straight A's and doing well. The first phase is assess. This is where the prospect considers whether or not they want to do business with you. I kind of consider this day zero because it's however much time you spend marketing and selling to them before they actually shift from being a prospect to a customer. That happens in phase two when they admit that they have a problem and believe that you're the one that can help them with it. So this is the beginning of the first 100 days process. It's when they admit they enter that phase and now their relationship has begun. Then we go to phase three, which is a firm. Almost immediately after they've made a decision to work with you, they begin to doubt the decision that they just made, Uh right? This is in common parlance, buyer's remorse. Mm -hmm. When they're not feeling good about the decision they just made and we need to reinforce that they made a good choice. We then move to phase four, activate. I call this activate because you need to energize the relationship as you formally start to work together. So in a medical setting, this might be their first visit to come and meet uh, the physician or the person they're meeting with from the medical team. This is the beginning of the relationship officially. Mm -hmm. Then we come to phase five, acclimate. Acclimate can be a rather long phase. And frankly, this is the phase usually where most businesses fall apart. And this is after that first interaction, what are you doing to acclimate them to your way of doing business, to hold your hand, to walk them through the necessary number of visits or steps or medications or treatments that they're going to need? How are you making sure that they're fully informed and taken care of every step along the way? 
Then we come to phase six, accomplish. Anytime a patient or a client decides to do business with you, they have a goal in mind from the moment they decide to start working with you. Accomplish is when they actually achieve that goal. Now, the problem is most businesses don't take the time to ask their clients what they're trying to accomplish, nor do they track their progress towards it. So as a result, they don't get to celebrate the accomplishment, which is a problem because unless the client accomplishes their goal, they don't get the chance to move to phase seven adopt. This is where the client says, I'm all in. I am loyal to you. I have adopted the relationship. I am going to uh, be committed to you and your brand going forward. And then, and only then, can we get them to phase eight, the final phase, advocate. When the customer or the client becomes a raving fan, referring their friends and colleagues to you. So those are the eight phases. Depending on your business, they may happen within the first 100 days or not. But what we know about the first 100 days is that period of time is more dispositive to the lifetime value of the client than any other period of time in relationship, Mm. which is why we want to focus on those eight phases and make sure that there's a system to navigate the clients through that. Okay, fantastic. And, and I think the 100 days really is the right timeline uh, deliberately for, for healthcare. We often speak about tissues taking 12 weeks or three months to, to heal. So we're right on the money there. Let's lean into a couple of these phases that I think are really relevant. If we go from phase two to phase three, so phase two being admit where patients uh, or clients realize they have a problem and that we can solve it, they often make an appointment. And Correct. then... Uh, then there's that affirm phase. So there's often a delay, right? You make an appointment, which is a week's time. And so there's a week, there's seven days in the middle there where patients have the opportunity to regret their appointment, to think about a different type of service or different practitioner. What can we do in a health setting between that time of making the appointment to the time of attending the appointment? What, what are some options for, uh, for health clinic owners to adopt? Well, I think that the main thing that health clinic owners can do is recognize that their patients or their clients are busy people, much like the uh, clinic operators, and they are caught up in other things. So what we want to do is remind them of the upcoming appointment in a way that doesn't feel overly pestering, but lets them know we're excited. So what normally happens is the reminder is an automated email or an automated text message or maybe even a phone call. But Mm -hmm. usually, the tone of it is more like, hey, you better remember you have an appointment or are you going to be there or not? Because if you're not, our doctor's time is valuable. We need to cancel the appointment. I've been on the receiving end of those type of calls. Instead, I think the message should be more along the lines of, we understand that you're in pain. We are ready and preparing ourselves to be ready to welcome you to the practice. The doctor is going to take great care of you. We're going to be able to do the diagnosis on your first visit. Mm -hmm. And at the end of your first visit, you will have a treatment protocol that we'll be ready to start working on so we can get you better and back up and running as quickly as possible. Just that positive reinforcement of what the intention is, is one of healing, is one of care, is one of uh, personal focus. Mm -hmm. That type of messaging coming through in a confirmation email of an appointment really sets the tone for what the client can expect when they actually show up for their first appointment. Yeah, I totally agree. We found in our experience that effectively it primes the patient for a great experience. They end up with better outcomes at the back end and uh, they're more likely to take on your suggestions, your diagnosis, your your treatment advice. Um, absolutely. You can use that opportunity to 
be transactional and remind them of an appointment, or you can prime them, set their expectations, help them feel at ease, right? Right. Absolutely. In fact, in the book, uh, in my book, Never Lose a Customer Again, the very first example I give is from a dentist. And one <laughs> of the great things, yeah, one of the great things, and, and, I, and th- there's a reason why I chose this as the first example, because with all due respect to folks in the healthcare profession, if a dentist can create a remarkable customer experience, no one else has an excuse, <laughs> right? You know, right. Uh, but what I love about what this dentist does is you fill out all the paperwork in advance of your appointment. Yes. And it is so nice because we've all had the situation, even in the appointment I just booked, they said, make sure you come 15 minutes early to do the paperwork. And Mm. although I'm happy to do that, right, and that's fine, if they would have said, can we email you the paperwork so you can complete it online in advance of the appointment, well, then I could do it in the middle of the night between phone calls, while I'm waiting for dinner, whatever's happening in my life and I have some downtime, I could do it and answer it that way. Plus, then it's electronic. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think there are opportunities opportunities for you to use these gaps, these time periods to actually accomplish the things you want done. Plus, doesn't that make for a much better interaction for the medical professional when they can actually read the patient's history and background prior to the meeting, as opposed to the four minutes between when the paperwork gets handed in and when they finally get called back to the examination room, trying to cram all that information and try to remember who it is they're about to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. It means that when the patient walks in the front doors, the experience is seamless. There's nothing more to do but sit back and have a glass of kombucha or coffee and and enjoy what might be on the screen while they uh, they wait. Interestingly, we refer to our waiting rooms within the Clinic Mastery community as welcome rooms. Mm, We don't want people people to wait. We want people to feel right. We want them to feel welcomed, exactly. And what I think most, uh, and I say this is a sweeping stereotype, so forgive me if I offend any of the listeners. I think what often happens with medical professionals, and, and I know this because this happened to me. I'm a recovering lawyer. This happened to me when I was a lawyer, right? Because we're used to deliver, working in this space and doing this all day, every day, and we're the providers, we forget just how anxious and nervous our patients or our clients sure. really are. Because, you know, we're thinking, oh, you have this injury. I've treated this type of injury a thousand times. I'll be able to treat yours as well and we'll get you all taken care of. When the reality is the client or the patient, this may be the first time they've ever experienced this. And in many scenarios, they're in, especially in the healthcare environment, they're in some type of physical pain or physical discomfort. Mm-hmm. And so whatever we can do to put ourselves into our patient's shoes and remember that there's, they're in a very heightened emotional state where there are, are, there are worries, there are fears, there's pain going on, and recognize that this just isn't the hour appointment before our next one hour appointment. Sure. It's an actual human being that is going through a trying time. And if we can just connect, even in the briefest of ways, having a welcome room as opposed to a waiting room, making them feel that when they show up, they can just focus on being present and not trying to remember all their insurance information and their billing information and be worrying about how much it's going to cost sure. and instead be in an environment where it's like you're here to be taken care of. Yeah, it's absolutely true. You also touched on uh, a treatment plan. Um, we refer to these as management plans within uh, within clinic mastery and how having something tangible to take home with them, maybe in paper form, perhaps email, can really help at the end when it comes to the accomplish phase. 
Can you just speak to quickly the, the different modalities of communication, whether it's email or paper, maybe gifts, and how they can play a role in the client journey through 100 days? Absolutely. So I, I believe there are a number of different communication tools you can use to interact with your customers. There are in-person interactions, emails, sending things physically in the post, uh, phone calls, videos, and gifts and presents. Uh, those are kind of the six that I focus on uh, in my practice and in the first 100 days methodology. What I think is often a very overlooked opportunity in this increasingly digital world is to create physical mementos of a visit. Right. Uh, if I was running a healthcare facility, while I understand there's a move away from paper and there's a, room, a move towards electronics, yes. uh, and in, a, in a patient care scenario, I think I would try to give them something printed out, especially if I wanted them to be doing things between mm. now and the next time I saw them. Uh, invariably, what's happened to me in, in physio environments is I've gone in and, and the doctor said, well, I want you to do this exercise and this exercise and this exercise. And they show me in the office. And in the office, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> I have a clear understanding of exactly what I'm supposed to do. And then I get home and my wife will say to me, oh, did you get any, you know, physical therapy or things you're supposed to do between now and your visit next week? And I'll say, yes. Well, what are you supposed to do? Well, there were three different things. The first one involved me leaning up against a wall, but I don't exactly remember. the. And, and suddenly we don't remember, uh-huh. right? Because we're, again, we're in that heightened stress environment sure. when we're actually in the office. So I love the idea of giving a little checklist with the descriptions, maybe even with some mentions of URLs where they can go and see a video of what you're asking them to do. But have them almost keep a journal or a little checklist that marks when they did it. And so then when they come in for their next appointment and you say, hey, you were supposed to be doing your stretches three times a day. How did you do? Well, doc, on four out of five days, I did all three stretches. The other day, I only did two. Oh, great. Now we have a clear understanding of where you would be in the process. For sure. Uh, so I think, I think we can, uh, it's important to not overlook the, uh, the analog opportunity to communicate. Uh, digital's great too. And if you want to invest the money and the resources to have digital tracking and kind of digital reporting on those things, that's great. But don't, don't feel bad if your approach is analog because that's every bit as effective. Yeah, I love it. And those six different um, methods of communication are really key. Can you speak to some of the mistakes that businesses make when trying to integrate those different uh, touch points? You know, the physio might pick up the phone, the receptionist is sending out letters, but there's this disconnect. How can we overcome that? I, I think you need strong systems on the back end so that you know everyone who's communicating with your clients and your patients and when those communications are going out. Sure. It should be a healthy mix, but if someone does a phone call to the patient to check in, there should be notes recorded in a CRM or in a database so that a letter doesn't go out the next day that says, how are you doing? And then the patient receives it and says, well, I just had a phone call and told you how I was doing. Why are you asking how I'm doing again? You already know. Especially this is problematic if the situation isn't going well. Because if the situation's going well and we get asked again, we often interpret that as, well, they're just checking in to make sure we're still making good progress. If the situation is going poorly and we check in again, acting as if we didn't know that it was going poorly, it seems like we didn't care. Um, And that gets back to that, you know, the patient feeling neglect or feeling, you know, insignificant. Uh, So I think there's a real opportunity to make sure everyone on the team is on the same page about all of the clients at the same time. Mm. 
Yeah, totally agree. And and then once patients or clients move through those phases towards being, you know, accomplishing the goal that they came with and then adopting your business as their trusted advisor and becoming advocates, um, that journey is really solidified towards the end. What big mistakes do you see businesses make towards that back end when, you know, patients or clients might accomplish what they came for? And the adopt and advocate phase, what, what mistakes do businesses make? I think the two, biz, the two biggest mistakes I see is, number one, uh, organizations don't pay attention to whether the accomplished stage has actually been achieved. Now, in a healthcare setting, it's usually a little different, right? Because it's, oh, I want to be able to get back on my mountain bike again, or I want to be skiing again. They usually have some type of a physical thing that they're being hampered from that they want to get back to. I want to get back to the weight I was in college or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, so there's usually a clear marker. And if I were running a healthcare operation, I would track and record that and make sure that the progress was being made through each visit. And then I would mark that celebration. So let's say the goal was to get back on the mountain bike. Uh, I live in Colorado, so I'm using a mountain bike example, right? So let's say the goal was to get back on the mountain bike. Then what I would do is when the patient felt they were able to do it again, I would say, you know what, do me a favor, text me a photo of you on the mountain bike. I'd love to kind of feel like I was there when you're back doing it again. Then when the patient does that, I would print that out and I'd hang that in the office. Wow. And I would say, here's another person that we got back on their bike. Or here's another person we got back to work or back skiing or back being able to pick up their infant child or whatever it may be. Whatever their goal was, try to sure. accomplish that. The second big mistake I see people making is that they try to ask for the referrals too early. They ask for the referral before the goal has been accomplished. I have seen scenarios where, you know, going to visit a chiropractor, for example, and after two visits, they said, now who else do you know that might like to come and get treatments from us. And I'm like, I'm not even sure that I'm to the point where I'm going to keep coming back. Stop okay. asking too early, right? So those are usually the two biggest mistakes I see. Not paying attention to what the goal was and asking too early for the referrals or the long-term relationship. That's, that's a really good point uh, around asking for referrals. You want to do it, I guess, at that point of heightened emotional significance. When they tick off their goal and a colleague of mine, Brad B, refers to it as their finish line, when they cross that line, that's when you want to ask for referrals. And I love the distinction you made there around celebrating patient goals. In, out of interest in the health space in Australia and New Zealand, we're not allowed to use testimonials in our marketing. We're not allowed to use uh, those type, but celebrating the stories of clients who achieve their goals is not a testimonial, it's a story, right? Exactly, exactly. And by the way, the best place to tell your stories is not necessarily in a printed magazine or on a radio ad or in a TV commercial. It's in the waiting room or the welcome room right. of your office because invariably they might be there with a friend or a colleague. Plus, I would deposit, and there's some, I haven't, I haven't found enough research that's empirical enough to say this, but I've seen anecdotal research sure. and anecdata that if you have those types of stories in your lobby, it actually increases the outcomes of your patients because they're in a heightened positive state believing that it's possible. Sure. And if it was possible for other patients, it would be possible for them as well. So I think there's huge opportunities there. I love that. I love that. And Joe, what do you see as a final question? We look towards wrapping up. What are the, the hurdles that people need to overcome to get started on designing the first 100 days and having a, a client experience focus? What is that first hurdle? How do people get started? 
I, I think there's two key hurdles number that I hear from uh, folks when they say, okay, Joey, I'm interested in the idea. Where do I get started? What do I do? Um, number one, you know, and I realize it may sound self-serving, go to my website, buy the book, go somewhere where you can find out what these phases are, learn a little uh -huh. bit more about them so you have a system and process. Surprise and delight is a great way to interact with your patients, but the best way to do it is when it's systematized, okay. when there's a consistent experience across all the touch points, and that's where having a good system will be useful. The second area that I find that a lot of people struggle with is they're asking their teams to create these world-class, amazing customer experiences when their employees don't know what that experience looks or feels like themselves. Very brief story. I was involved in a situation recently where I was talking to an entire company and the CEO told me, Joey, we want a Ritz-Carlton first class white glove experience. I said, great. I got the whole team in the room. I said, before we get started, who's heard the CEO talk about the Ritz-Carlton first class white glove experience and all the hands go up? I said, fantastic. Out of curiosity, how many of you have ever flown first class? None of the employees had ever flown first class. Mm -hmm. How many of you have ever stayed at the Ritz-Carlton? None of the employees had ever been in a Ritz-Carlton, let alone spent the night. Last question, how many of you have ever had a meal where the food was delivered by a waiter wearing white gloves? Again, no hands went up. I turned to the CEO. I said, it's very, very difficult to ask our employees to create world-class experiences when they've never had one themselves. So the best thing I think employers can do is make sure that your employees have a context for the type of wow. experience you're asking them to create. Wow. It's, uh, that's fascinating. We often talk within Clinic Mastery of the business owner needs to look after the team who looks after the clients. And it really is um, implicit on us as clinic owners to give our team incredible experiences so that then they can translate that down to our clients. And the first hurdle that you mentioned, um, inside our business academy, we have all the systems and resources to create amazing experiences regularly. Uh, we have a systemized random acknowledgement spreadsheet. So it appears random, it's surprise and delight for clients, but yet it's systemized so that nothing falls through the cracks and all the details are always taken care of. And uh, I know you said it was self-serving. Let me take that off your plate. For listeners, you need to go to joeycoleman.com and read everything on that website and the book, Never Lose a Customer Again. Joey, what is the best place for our listeners to find out about the book? Uh, the best place, I think, to find the book, it's available at bookstores everywhere around the world. Amazon is great. Uh, they'll get it to you quickly. Uh, but it's available at all the major publishers and retailers. There's also an audio book. So I always mention that when I'm on a podcast because if you've enjoyed listening to my voice, uh, if you go to Audible, you can download the audio book. And I actually narrate the entire book. So it's me telling story after story of uh, 46 different case studies in the book of companies, small, medium, and large from around the world that create remarkable experiences for their customers. Yeah. And there's a lot of healthcare examples in there and businesses there in our space, that bricks and mortar service-based uh, small business environment. And let me say the book is an experience in itself. Uh, there's all sorts of little elements that pop up along the way. Joey, thank you so much for your time. Listeners, make sure you check out joeycoleman.com and find the book Never Lose a Customer Again on Amazon or one of your local bookstores. If you'd like the notes from this podcast episode, you can head to clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast and you'll find the episode with Joey there. Joey, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you, Jack. It was my pleasure. Thanks everyone for listening along as well. And we look forward to bringing you another episode really soon. 
This is the Grow My Clinic podcast by Clinic Mastery, where we help you deliver amazing client experiences to grow your clinic. 